Welcome to another exciting episode of the 90s Rock Online Podcast. Joining me this evening is my first recurring guest, and that is international blogger Michael Crumry. Welcome, Mike. And why don't you let the folks know where they can find you on Twitter, because I know you're pretty active on that platform. <laughs> uh, you can find me at uh, Mike Crumry, uh, Mike Common Spelling, Crumry, K-R-U-M-R-E-I. And follow you for all the latest kind of political entertainment, everything that's going on. Uh, yeah, whatever uh, rats are scratching the inside of my brain is usually where I let that out. Uh, I'm that, that's just a good way to describe Twitter in general. Right, that, that's just Twitter. Like, I, that's, <laughs> yeah. that should be their tagline. Excellent. You have rats scratching the inside of your brain. Uh, I'm a, notoriously a reply guy because I have, I have things to say, but I also like to uh, share the articles. So I encourage all of our listeners to check that out. For today's episode, for the music-related content, uh, we are going to be counting down our top five one-hit wonders of the 90s, which I'm really excited to do. And I know uh, going through this, we both came up with a bunch of honorable mentions, so it'll be kind of fun to, to walk through the songs and bands that didn't quite make the cut but still hold a very special place in our hearts. So, Mike, you're the guest. Why don't you start, start us off and let us know what, what was your number five one-hit wonder of the 1990s? Uh, Duncan Sheik, Barely Breathing. Unbelievable. That is not on my list or in my mentions, but it probably should be. What, what made you put that on there? Uh, that it's, it's one of the, it's one of like the first like real like modern music earworms that uh i experienced it's hard uh, for me not to sing it right now like oh when my you said God. that I'm, but i want people to listen to this show so right and i'm like i i'm here like i can mentally hear the song like it's that's how imprinted it is in my head uh this is like when you're driving this is one of the the best songs to sing along to did you know Duncan Sheik became like a very successful like Broadway composer? You know what? That sounds familiar. I'm not going to go and commit to saying that I knew that, but that tidbit does sound familiar. So this is this is really bringing it around, but he is known for Spring Awakening, which was like the it kind of Broadway musical, you know, I want to say in the early 2000s, pre-Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it was that uh Spring Awakening was the launching pad for Leah Michelle, who went on to star in Glee. So, I mean, it's all, it all connects back. He's, he's a wealth of talent, for sure. It's the, the nexus of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let me, I'm going to do my number five, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm going to be surprised if this is not on your list. And the song is You Get What You Give by the New Radicals. Uh, that it was on my honorable mention. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, that, I had was to look. A, that was an excellent dramatic pause, by the way. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't intentional. That was just me looking at my list. I had to re, uh, reconfigure my monitors. So my list is a little further away and my eyes are bad. So, so yeah, th there's a bunch of like crazy ass facts about new radicals. One, they only released this one album. And then even before they released the second single, the band disbanded. So they, they go on they, top. Right. Right. So, uh, Greg Alexander was the name of like the, you know, the singer slash band leader. 
And I want to say this song is mostly remember, remembered for the final stanza. I don't know what you call it. The final where he, I, I looked up, I looked up the lyrics. It's fashion shoots with Beck and Hanson, Courtney Love and Marilyn Manson. You're all fakes. Run to your mansions. Come around. We'll kick your ass in. <laughs> is there a more 90s couplet than mentioning Beck and Hanson and rhyming that with Courtney Love and Marilyn Manson? That it, It's just tremendous work. <laughs> um I was like doing stuff around the house not all that long ago. And I have like a modern person, I have a smart TV and I have a spot of Spotify app on it. And when you play Spotify on a smart TV, the lyrics come up. And then like in between like when there's like an interlude or like a like a lyric break, it is, it's like pop-up video they'll have like little tidbits about the song. And I remember like this song comes up and I look at it and it's like, like the lead singer, like he quit, I believe because like he didn't want to get famous because like capitalism. Yes. This was a very nineties idea. Like the idea of like, I don't want to be a sellout. You know, I'd rather like another uh, song that's coming up. There's a line about, um, I don't even own, I don't even own a TV spoiler alert. Uh, and that was like a very fashionable thing. Like, I'm not, I'm not part of the system. I'm not going to make money. I believe he even went and worked in a coffee shop, like immediately after quitting the band. Yeah. Okay. So two, let's get to the next one, but I got two more crazy facts just because this okay. is the nineties and we're talking about new radicals. So one crazy ass fact is Greg Alexander did work again in the entertainment industry. And he actually wrote the music for a very, very good movie. I don't know how well known it is. It's called begin again begin again with Mark Ruffalo and Kira Knightley. I'm unfamiliar. And Adam Levine of, of sure. Maroon 5 fame. And Adam Levine plays like an asshole rock star. And Greg Alexander, the guy from New Radicals, writes all the music for that. Oh. So it's definitely worth checking out. And definitely once you hear it, you're like, oh, this would this is what the New Radicals would sound like, you know, 15 years later. Real sliding doors situation. And I know you'll appreciate this. And it's unfortunate COVID prevented like a real celebration of the 2020 inaugural with Joe Biden because a band reformed for one day for one performance of one song. And it was, you get what you give by new radicals. I wa I remember watching the, uh, like the, the show, like, you know, post inaugural show where they went to like different locations around DC right, right. and I just happened to turn it on right as this song was playing i'm like what is happening right now and they broke and up it, like 23 five years ago hey, joe biden we should have joe biden on the podcast he's a 90s music fan incredible incredible pick by by <laughs> biden there maybe the highlight of his presidency so far well, but hey this is not a political this is that we're not yeah. talking about Go, no. <laughs> follow me on twitter yeah. if you want to hear why joe biden is a 90s rock music fan. Yeah. exactly all right hit me with your number four Lit, my own worst enemy. So this isn't a visual podcast, but I have my hands on my head. I cannot believe I forgot that. That should definitely, at least an honorable mention for me, go. I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's iconic. It's an iconic song. Like that like riff, that, just the riff yeah. alone. You just play that and everyone our age is like losing oh. their mind. Yeah. Yeah. So this this song got big. I want to say like 99. Is that really when I like, I would have been a senior in high school. 
And like in the unlikely event, my uh, dad ever listens to this. Sometimes when I left the house, I went out drinking (laughs) and I like would get drunk and do stupid, stupid things. And like, this was just like, I joked forever that this was my theme song. Like, especially like the lyric, um, I can't remember, like I slept in my, or, you know, he talked about sleeping. I don't remember what I did last night. Like I didn't mean to call you fat. (laughs) (laughs) He slept in my clothes. Like, it's just all like, these, like, like I was checking off a checklist of like drunken buffoonery. It was all came out in in March, March 99. Yeah. That sounds about right. You know, even though this song wasn't on it, I feel like this in some ways epitomizes like the American Pie soundtrack or just like that 99 era of music. Yeah. The lyric is, please tell me why my car is in the front yard and I'm sleeping with my clothes on. I came in through the window last night and you're long gone. Yeah. This epitomizes me at my, my drunken apex. Well, one of them. Well, I, I got to really compliment you and I don't give these out easy, but those are two fantastic picks. I cannot believe I missed them, but you know, this, this is a podcast about nineties music and it's not going to surprise anyone. I just think that shows like the depth of this decade. I don't know how else to put it. It's like, Oh yeah, that was an awesome one. Oh, that I, was incredible. That defined three months of my life. I, th- I really, as far as like what the pod, the podcast covers, I would argue and like, I, like I would, I w- would say like the last two years of the decade, 98, 99 were, that's when the best of this music came out. Oh yeah. A real sweet spot. Just like we kind of have uncovered with, it was almost like so much for the afterglow, the previous pod we did Everclear. that kind of like begins that era, right? Correct. Where it's like, wow, every song on here is like exactly what I want. And it kind of continues that way for another two years. All right. So I, I guessed wrong on my, on my last one. I thought it'd be in your five. I'm going to guess again. I think this is in your five at number four. I have sex and candy by Marcy playground. I, I left that off my list. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, what's your, let me hear your, why, why is it on your list? To me, it epitomizes so much of the nineties. Like if you were just to plug in, if, if, if the technology existed right to, I want to create like a nineties post grunge post Nirvana hit in under three minutes, what would the name of the band be? What would the name of the song be? And what would it sound like? I think this is what comes out of that generator. I was, was going to say, it's almost, this almost sounds like a, like a Chrome plugin, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just the band name is like so random, but so nineties, like Marcy playground. Okay. It just, the and I don't even know if this song is a hit without the word sex in it. I feel like that made it like for 12 and 13 year olds, like, Ooh, I'm, I really like sex and candy. Cause when you listen to this song, it's kind of like this better than Ezra light, I guess would be a way to put it. Like there's not that much going on. The guy is like clearly not a strong vocalist. Not that that matters a lot of the time, you know, with a lot of this music is more about, you know, the feeling and the atmosphere right. it creates. Um, but it's really difficult to explain. But when this came out in middle school, it was like, if I listen to this, I'm a little bit part of the in crowd. I remember this being the biggest hit. This really takes me back 
to like the roller skating rink we would go to in seventh grade. Like when this went on, then maybe you went over and the girl you were quote unquote going out with, you know, you, you held her hand during this one and it kind of made you like edgy and cool looking back. It's so ridiculous, but in the moment it was a, it was a really important song for a brief moment in time. That's you talk about like that seventh and eighth grade, like really, you know, and I'm using the word relationships loosely. Yes. Very. It it meant I called this girl once now we're dating. Right. Or her, or her friend came up to me. Pass me a note. Yeah. Right. Check. Yes or no. But like, like it's your first like step out into like vaguely adult things and it like everything has such immediacy, right? Like you're like this is your like first like sexualish contact with you just holding hands with someone, you know, someone that like gets your, you know, like someone that arouses an emotion out of you. And then like you're in like you go to is is there a more sexually charged atmosphere than an eighth grade dance? Right. And this is the perfect song. It's so it's so not sexy. Right. You know what I mean? Like, well, as, the, like as an adult, as an adult, it's eye rolling. Like, like I, right. Like I said, the amount of like, uh, sexual energy in this song is, is literally limited to just having the word sex in the song. Right. It doesn't go into anything that's happening between this couple or right. whoever they are. There's is, no, there's no dirty just, talk. There's no explanation. It's just, uh, sex and candy. Three minutes <laughs> A three-minute non sequitur, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's definitely ha- left an indelible mark on a young on a young Rob Ebert. Th- that, so, is, that much is clear. So why don't you throw it? We're we're gonna go into our top three, but why don't you throw it a couple honorable mentions? All right, uh, just real I, real I quickly, have, we'll I do have, like rapid I, fire. Sure, I I have two what I what I deemed first team honorable mentions that I want to save to the end because like, of course I am. Right. But my, the first honorable mention I would like to throw out there is vertical horizon, everything you want. Another awesome pick Owned that CD and loved it. Uh, you got one. Yeah. I have how bizarre by OMC. Oh my, which is that which, one. Go that ahead. That one could have like, if, if I had like a, a mere image of me to like interact with that song could have been debated to make it in the top five. It's interesting. It's very recently. I feel like it's taken on a new life. It's been in some, I think car commercials or insurance commercials. And strangely enough, it's been, it's become like a big wedding song. Like let's play this at the wedding. It gets everyone on the dance floor. It gets everyone going. I feel like it, it was forgotten for about 20 years and now it's back in a big way. All right, hit me. You got another one? Yep. Um, tonic, If You Could Only See. Yes. Love that song. You're just naming some of my favorite songs ever now. <laughs> In addition to being great one-hit wonders. I, I will say they did have uh, they did have a song on the American Pie soundtrack that I really, really liked. Yep. It, that's their other big song. Yeah. That, the, one that, the one whose name I could never remember. That's why I think they qualify as a one-hit wonder because even as much as I like that, I have no idea what the title of that other one is. The only thing keeping Tonic out of the top five because I, 
I was a, that first, their first album is amazing. Like a friend of mine down the street got it. And he's like, he's like, these guys are going to be the next Bush. He's like this, these very these iconic are, album cover too. I just looked it up with the uh, tonic with the yellow lemon, lemon parade. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great art direction. Yep. That's something mo- all bands are missing now because no one buys physical albums anymore, but. Oh, I did look it up. The American Pie tonic song is You Wanted More. Oh. Love that one. But yeah, as soon as you said the, the title of uh, that tonic song, it like it's immediately starts playing in my head. Yeah. And I immediately want to sing. If you Well, it, it starts like right off the bat. Uh, like the title of this, like the title of the song are the first words. Right. It's it, it's just it's everything you want in a uh, um, everything you want in a in a one hit wonder. All right, you got one more, and then and then maybe we'll do the rest of our honorable mentions okay. right before we unveil Wait. our number one picks. So my last honorable mention is uh, "Deep Blue Something Breakfast at Tiffany's." That is also on my honorable mention list. And I actually, in, in preparation for this, I went and looked and listened to a bunch of their other music. And I will say for all these one hit wonders, I kind of see why it happened, but I also generally like a few, at least a few other songs, if not entire albums, which we'll get into this one. I don't want to offend anyone who is in deep blue. Something has ever had anything to do with deep blue something, but I just want to say outside of breakfast at Tiffany's, I could not listen to any of their other music. I remember borrowing this CD from a friend because I, we like, we would just listen. Like, Breakfast at Tiffany's was basically on repeat for like three weeks. I'm like, this song is so awesome. I want to listen to the rest of this album. So he lets me borrow it. And I don't even think Breakfast at Tiffany's was the first song. Like, I want to say it was like three, four, five deep, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah. It's deep in the album. Mm -hmm. And, but I, I don't even know if I made it past the first two songs. Like what? This is why, how can you have this one that is so a thousand miles ahead of everything? Like it was guys, like my, my next two bands will actually be ones where I, I literally love the rest of the album, but I, I, it's amazing. We had the same experience. It, it boggles my mind how good breakfast at Tiffany's is. And the, I don't even know what they're doing on the rest of those tracks. I, I feel like you and I could get break out a banjo and, it, and do almost, a little bit it's better. It's almost like they, okay, so the original Deep Blue Something records Breakfast at Tiffany's. And then, like, everyone got laryngitis, and they just went and found the first five guys that walked past the studio to make the rest of these songs. What is happening? <laughs> That's worth like a 30 for 30 style documentary if the band would Absolutely. be up for it. You know, just own it. Just own it. It's fine. Not everyone has to be the Beatles. <laughs> All right, why don't you hit me with number three? The Cardigans Love Fool. Mike, this is why we're friends, man. This is why we're friends. <laughs> I love it. And it instantly reminds me of the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, which I think we need to do an entire episode on. Well, we, it has now been mentioned in both podcasts we've yeah. recorded. So that's that's not a coincidence. But this is another one that like this is one like when you're, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old and a dude like 
you don't you don't you don't like love fool like this is one you would be embarrassing to be caught singing yes but when you're alone in the car you are you're rocking it it's i'll tell you it's another excellent sing-along song i'll tell you exactly how this played out for me i know exactly i would never turn it up in the car with my friends but this was one of the first songs when i got i taped off the radio which was a very popular thing to do back in the day oh for sure love fool was a main a mainstay on any kind of tape i was putting together usually sandwiched between like savage garden and you know from something from garbage like number one crush right but yeah awesome yeah, pick, like, like that's like just you know i don't want to say it's peak 90s because it's only number three but it is it is well up the hill all right my number three this is one i feel like this band and particularly this song Again, kind of like how bizarre by OMC is having a little bit of a renaissance where people they liked it in in the moment, but now it's kind of regarded like, oh, this was actually like absolutely brilliant, and that is Flagpole Sitta by Harvey Danger. So I had that. Might as well just step on it because we're we're already knee deep in it now. That was one of my first team honorable mentions. Okay. I didn't, I, I'm actually amazed. I'm not here to criticize anyone's pick. Music subject. So here's my. I'm amazed so it's not my, in your top five. So here's my thinking. When I first started making the list, like I, I actually took a full hour for my lunch break today to do this to work on this. Thank you. Your checks in the mail, by the way. <laughs> but Harvey Danger was such an iconic '90s song that I felt putting it in the top five was a disservice to the other four. It draws so much, so much attention. Like, what was it? Like, I know it was in like the, for at least the first American Pie movie, if not the second, but I feel like it was in like 30% of every movie released between 98 and 2000. Every movie trailer that had like, rebel youths doing something was absolutely you can hear like that opening drum roll and uh yep. i had visions sorry to sing on the podcast but i mean it just everyone yep. instantly snaps into that song yeah i so that that's the only reason i didn't put it in the in the top five was i didn't want to pull focus from the rest of these songs but absolutely we couldn't have had we not mentioned that song and arguably my other first team all uh all uh honorable t- honorable mention we we would have been outed as frauds if we didn't at least talk about right. it. The lyrics are, they're so good. But if I were to read them out loud, it loses a little. It's the absolute just like punk delivery of these lyrics of like, you told them all I was crazy. They cut off my legs. Now I'm an amputee. God damn you. Just like the way he's like spitting that out. It's like, this is an iconic song from the nineties, like an iconic moment. And this is one of the bands I will go to bat for. Like when you listen to the album, I think maybe uh, maybe this song just got so overexposed, like in that brief moment that people weren't up for hearing hearing other things. But the, the, there's an opening track on this album card called Carlotta Valdez, which was submitted as another single that has like that same passion, energy, anger in it. And another one called uh, Private Helicopter. That's really awesome. And yeah, I... I, I feel like uh, if you do find this band through this song, that's it's you're like uncovering a, a pretty cool gem from the nineties. 
I will definitely give them another look on that recommendation because I'm only familiar with the one song. Right. And I, I think they chose that first track, Carlotta Valdez, very purposefully. And you should start right there. Like if, if you dig that track, you'll dig the rest of the album. If you're not liking that one, then I mean, I'll save you some time. You can skip it, but we'll always have flag yeah. Pulsita. Yeah, exactly. All right. I think we're on to number two. Uh, Blind Melon, No Rain. That is, that's an excellent poll. That is not on my five. I, so, I think we, we've had completely different fives, which I think is awesome. Right. So this one, like this would have been an early 90s one, right? Like we're like Kurt Cobain's still alive. Seattle grunge is really hitting. It's is still on the way up. It's still an emerging, emerging style of rock. Most importantly, MTV is still playing videos when Blind Melon comes out. So you have Shannon Hoon dancing in the field. You have the B girl. Like it's, it's amazing. Like it's like, you know, you know, you talk about like in, in sports stuff, you talk about the man of the moment, right? The man meets the moment and blind melon was that it right at the perfect time when you still have before MTV goes straight garbage, when they're still doing actual videos before like TRL, is a thing where it, you know bastardizes the entire concept of music videos like, like i would sit and watch like whatever like random collection of videos was on mtv just in the off chance this one was going to show up because it was it's such an uplifting video like if it was a show it would have been my favorite show this was also one of those songs that I, I owned a bunch of these CDs in the early 2000s, like hits of the 90s. Yeah. I feel like it must have been like contractually obligated to have No Rain by Blind Melon on every single one of those or the any of those box. Yeah. Any of those ads that came on at like 2 a.m. You know, we watched a lot of that TV back in the day in Oshkosh with our hours, but it was always like any kind of like rock compilation. <laughs> You'd immediately see the clip from that video you're talking about. And then, you know, the, the, the chorus from No Rain. All right, I'm going to deliver number two, and then we're going to do some of our, we're going to finish off our honorable mentions. So at number two for me, this was the song that uh, I chose to close down my wedding in October. And it is, of course, Closing Time by Semisonic. God damn it. I it was on my paper list. It was on my paper list. I, I couldn't tell you, like, which one, like, knocked it off of, like, even the honorable mentions. Maybe because like maybe because like I thought I maybe I was kind of a late comer to that song like I might like I might not have discovered that till the two thousands might have boxed myself in a little bit but man what a what a banger I still I it, I think it was very heavily quoted at the time you know the lyrics and I still to this day will do every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. Like that's yeah. one of the most iconic lines I can think of. And yeah, this song just, it hits hard. It's the perfect song, obviously to like end any event with and any wedding party. And if you need to get people out of your house, you can play it and they kind of get the message. What the thing. So some, I remember several years ago, I remember reading like a Buzzfeed listicle about like the hidden meaning behind songs. And like they interviewed the lead singer of the band of 
semi-sonic and like oh this is a song about giving birth what yeah i've done a very i i saw that same video because he was having a kid at the time and i think it clearly can be read like both ways yeah i think he kind of stirred up some headlines probably smart on his part like get people to listen to again listen in a new way it's hard to wrap your head around the like so finish your whiskey or beer i don't think that really relates to like (laughs) you know having a Unless you're talking about like a 70s birth where like, you know, you would drop off the expected mother at the hospital and dads would just go to the nearest bar. Yeah. And like pound Manhattans until the the bar phone rang and they're like. The one place, the one place where I see it is closing time. This room won't be open until your brothers or your sisters come. Like with that, with that background now, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Like, okay. Um, but you know, the part about drinking and closing the bar, I think, I think he's trying to have it both ways. Uh, but fun fact about Dan Wilson, he won two Grammys for not semi-sonic. He wrote not ready to make nice by the Dixie chicks and someone like you by Adele. So kind of, kind of like your boy, Duncan Sheik, he's had a second act that a lot of people don't know about where he's had a lot of success. Man, writing a, Writing an Adele hit has to be lucrative. Yeah, yeah, especially that one has like a billion streams. One final note: uh, I almost didn't include this at all because I was on the fence about including Semisonic as a one-hit wonder because they did have a song called "Secret Smile" that was a top twenty rock hit. And not only that, but I went on Spotify and I like to look at the streams, and it has thirty-four million streams on it. Now the, would, ne- the next closest is nine, which if, if that was the next closest, I, it would have been an open and shut case. Okay. They only have one hit, but secret smile was pretty big for a while. So I wasn't quite sure what to do with it. I, but. Can't, I can't place it. And I would also, if you were to do a family feud style survey of a hundred right, people, correct. That's what ultimately it, put it on there. Yeah. I guarantee you don't, I, if, if it's, Five percent of people could answer what was what was Semisonic's second hit. Right. It it's probably less than one percent. You're right. Right. It has to be someone who hosts a '90s rock podcast that would be right. like, "No, Secret Smiles, a big hit." Well, I can't I can't wait for the the Facebook comments because there there has to be one person who's gonna respond to this. Right. How how could you include them? Yeah. The, okay. Semisonic also has a great final album called All About Chemistry, which had a really fun song named Chemistry on it. But that's neither here nor there. That might be another podcast. All right, time. Oh, let's do the rest of our uh, honorable mentions. I only, have, I only have one more. Okay. James Laid. Yeah. We could just run through the American Pie soundtrack at this point. <laughs> because, good God, was that song rigged? I, like certainly ahead of flagpole Sitta as far as like exposure in the nineties, but good Lord, like any, any like youth face, like focused movie that song was in, you know, American pie. Like, I think it was in uh, the road trip, probably 10 things I hate about you. I'm just thinking of all those movies. She's all, she's all that They're, They kind of made the same movie with the same soundtrack about 15 times. Well, if you <laughs> You know, if you do the paperwork right, you only have to license the music once. 
I was going to ask you, yeah, the, the way these songs keep cropping up, I wonder if it wasn't the same, like few music managers who had the same kind of taste. And they're like, yeah, let's get that again. Let's get the smash mouth song. Let's. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah. That, but that song, like, man, you want to talk about overexposure in the nineties. Good Lord. Like you're talking like Vanderbeek post varsity blues level of overexposure. Our City Blues, another great movie with a great soundtrack. Oh, my God. All right. So I got, okay, I got three that I think we missed that are okay. in my honorable mentions. Uh, get out your wallet chain for the impression that I get by Mighty Mighty Boston's. See, I did. Maybe it's because like Boston's are like a hit in my own mind. But I have. I don't know, a half dozen Boston songs on my playlist. So how could they possibly be one hit wonders if I have six songs of theirs? Well, on that, my... That's like the semi-sonic example. Like right. na- at, pull the general public to name a mighty, mighty Boston song. Oh. Then the I also that ha- I took the, I also have zoot suit riot by cherry pop and daddies. Oh man. Swing music. That that was the briefest fad of, of any kind of fad <laughs> that, that came and went in the 90s. Swing music was like three weeks. Yeah. It, well, I mean, so it, so I, I believe swing music got started because of a gap ad. Like they people were whipping each other around. I think that, that's like, a true story. And then everyone's like, that looks awesome. I bet you I knew um like four or five like girls I went to high school with were like dance classes and like all of them at one point went through a swing phase and like you know you go to like the winter dance and like someone come up and be like oh dance and like because I'm big strong guy like oh lift me up and I'm just like launching these girls like through the air like Cirque du Soleil like how is this how am I allowed to do this they're like doing evil Knievel trips, right? <laughs> tricks off the like we were, we were a flaming hoop away from it getting out of hand. Incredible. Okay, I got one final one because I don't right. think I don't think we could uh, hold our heads high if we didn't at least throw a, a shout out to Chumbawamba's Tub Thumping. Oh man, I hated that song from the jump. But you got to admit that that's a oh, no, no. It was yeah. yeah. Like it's it truly a one-hit wonder. I mean, the rest of their music is... But in the United States, over in the UK, like, they're... Yeah, they were a band for 20 years, 30 years, yeah. something like that. Was, and I, I guess they're, like, an extremely radical political band, and their biggest hit is about getting drunk and falling down. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a Chumbawamba reference in an episode of The Simpsons that never fails to bring a... It's the one where Lisa fakes her way into college and like of uh, one of her college friends drops her off at home and Homer is like ad-libbing lyrics to this song and like throws like a bear, like an empty keg through like the front window. (laughs) If you have Disney plus, you should, you should go check that one out. This podcast brought to you by Disney plus. Thanks Disney. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's time. It's time for our number ones. We've had no songs the same. Yeah, in our entire top five. So let's hear what is your number one one hit wonder of the 90s? Better than Ezra Desperately Waiting. Wow, I was not expecting that. 
I, this was, so like, this is just an amazing example of nineties music. Like if you, if I want, if I was going to show like uh, a Gen Zer, like what's the, what did the nineties sound like? It'd be better than Ezra desperately waiting. And it also inspired the best weekend update joke of all time from Norm Macdonald. Better than Ezra topped the college charts, getting getting just past Ezra. <laughs> that is classic. Um, I'm a big Better Than Ezra fan. And I actually, when I was an intern at the Watertown Daily Times, my first newspaper job, they came and played Watertown's Riverfest. And I got the chance to interview them. Tremendous. So that that's my better than Ezra connection. And I saw them open for Collective Soul at the Rave. I would I would still go see that show. I would go tomorrow if they were playing. <laughs> I love I love desperately wanting. I don't know. That that's that's wild. That I don't know if Despre- I don't know if uh, better than Ezra is truly a one hit wonder though, with they had a lifetime in the 2000s and they had good off their first album oh maybe i just got i will be willing to admit that my methodology might not be bulletproof and i may have just wanted to tell that norm mcdonald joke but understood i just want to state for the record better than hazard has had at least a few hits desperately wanting definitely definitely a huge huge hit i guess like if I could further defend myself. So I may have colored outside the lines on the one hit wonder uh, concept. However, like they were, this was like when alternative rock was still being called college rock for some reason. Right. Right. No, I remember that. And And they were big, they were big on college radio and then they transitioned to mainstream. Which I don't under, like I never understood the distinction of like what stopped. I mean, other than, corporate interest in capitalism what's i don't what would be stopping like any top 40 station from playing a better than ezra song in 1995 versus you know some 20 year old rtf major like spinning records between you know reads for the campus you know pizza it was it was such a different world back then i actually listened to a podcast with a couple of radio jockeys from the 90s i had no idea it was like the amount of like payola behind the scenes or like atlantic records coming in being like here's five hundred thousand to like play this across the country and i think like college radio stations they didn't get that money so they weren't under they didn't have to play that and it was kind of like quote unquote underground cool going into that ethos of like not selling out right yeah like oh i I only listen to college radio because you know they're not paid off by the man i did uh when i was freshman and sophomore in college i thought i was going to be on the radio and i did i did sports and like part of the part of the deal was so if you weren't on the game day crew doing color or play by play every couple games you would have to sit at the station to like play ads do bumpers you know do the behind the scenes stuff so one day me and a friend of mine were doing the we're working the board together and it was a uwo women's basketball game 
the game ends and like another guy was supposed to show up to, you know, take over for us, but he never came. And so we call the station manager and we're like, Hey, what's his face for the show after the basketball game isn't here. What should we do? He's like, just start playing music. So we go into the, the back and it's just a room full of CDs. And he's like, on the back, there will be a, like a, like a, like a sticker that says like the track number and yes or no, if you can play it, just play whatever it says you can play. And so like, we're just playing like all of our favorite songs and like we're calling like we had uh like our friends in the dorms like call and like ask like do requests like that we would you know like have them on the air like it was a it was a real debacle but it was the first time i got to be on the radio and it was awesome it sounds like a ton of fun it sounds like a future podcast so we got to wrap things up here i'm going to deliver my number one and that is the freshman by the verve pipe i could have guessed i could have won i will say i think this is i have no problem saying i think this is one of the best songs of all time and i also have no problem saying i cannot get into any of this band's other work (laughs) <laughs> and I love the freshmen so much. It's not like I tried one time. I've tried multiple times over the years to like dive into that CD villains or even some of their later work. And most of it's like a much like kind of harder rock and it's just not working for me, but who cares when they've got the freshmen, I think again, a very iconic video and look and feel to this song. I mean, it was everywhere when it came out. I was a freshman in high school when that song came out and it, and also being the class of 2000, it, you know, you're starting high school, you're the class of 2000, this huge song, the freshman comes out, you are a freshman. There was just like cosmic, like the cosmos aligned for a perfect moment. It's incredible. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. And in a, in a modern update, uh, the verb pipe is actually on TikTok. Oh and some of my favorite TikToks, it's great to see the band has a sense of humor, is the singer going to random karaoke bars and selecting this song and singing it <laughs> to a room of like dead silence and like, and like no one making the connection. But it's, it's absolutely hilarious and it makes me love them even more. As a general rule, I hate practical joke shows. Like the whole like impractical jokers craze like went over my head I, I never saw the appeal but that i would watch that show it's just this one guy going to re- like random karaoke nights <laughs> just, singing his one hit and, and never looking at the screen and just like really putting some english on it and just like really selling out to like nobody listening he also has a super 90s rock band name. The, the singer's name is Brian Vander Ark, which sounds like it, should, it was probably like the wide receiver in Varsity Blues or something. But I'm really, is- pr- I'm really promoting his TikTok because he does another series where he starts playing the freshman and like his little daughter, who's like three or four years old, starts screaming at him to stop, <laughs> which is probably how a lot of people feel when this song comes on. But I still love it. But, but not you. Right. <laughs> Well, that was our top five songs of the 90s, or rather, that was our top one-hit wonders of the 90s. 
Thank you for being with us. Thanks to my guest, Mike. Check him out on Twitter. And don't forget to join us next time for more 90s rock music. We'll see you later. Thank you, Rob. Thank you.